Edward Michael Boyko from Glassport. And I'm Jay Shreveranka, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about McKeesport and about your Slovak heritage. All right. So you started talking to me a little bit about, you know, the Slovaks in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. So I did some research to learn, and I did not realize that this area has the second largest population of Slovaks outside of Slovakia. I know. Western um, Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania, Allegheny Some, County. Yeah, okay. There are parishes, Byzantine Catholic parishes that belong to the Byzantine diocese, and they all speak the Slovak language. Our masses, our liturgy, is half in English and half in Slavonic. The official title of the language is Slavonic. That's the poet's language or poetic language or whatever you want to say. Conversational Slovak is just, hey, you know, with, with, uh, with your neighbor or whatever, but this is uh, church stuff. And it was really neat to learn is how all the parishes and everything were built for the different groups that came over from yes. Slovakia, and they kept their culture yes. and their traditions Right. going by being able to send their children to those schools. Yeah. And you mentioned going to school like that, and they yeah. taught you the languages. I knew it before because I lived with my Baba, my grandmother, and my Zedla, my grandfather. Uh, they lived downstairs, my mother and dad, and me lived apartment upstairs. Dinner time, I would go down and sit with the grandparents and have dinner, and we'd have whatever she had, sumku, ham or badurki potatoes or whatever, I would eat dinner with them and would converse in Slovak. I was seven, eight, nine years old, and I was talking to them in Slovak. Then I'd come back upstairs and continue with my normal life, I guess. But the grandparents were always there. And that's what's, what's amazing is that family is a big thing and they brought that from their culture and their thoughts together and it was a very respectful yeah. and you, you lived with your families and you did and they were very very close so probably a lot of people were living like that also yeah. where you lived in a joint family they became elderly and sickly and baba died first and then grandmother zedo the grandfather he died maybe 10 years after the grandmother we were just used to all those old customs. Yeah, tell me what it was like. Like, what did you guys, you said you converse with them and you would speak. Would they tell you stories or things? Or no, just uh, normal things uh, about eating dinner, dinner or whatever. And they came here and got Americanized. Zedlow got a job in steel mill, as did all the people from Europe that came here in a Braddock steel mill or mm -hmm. Homestead or whatever. My grandfather got the job in National Tube in McKeesport. They had a blast furnace which made the steel. They had a pipe mill which made all the pipe. So you were working at U.S. Steel National then. Tube. So U.S. Steel was National Tube before? Yeah, they made a pipe. They made the pipe, right? And I saw National Tubes and they, they had closed in the 80s. Tubes, pipe. Yeah, they yeah. made the tubing, right, the piping. But I didn't realize they were part of U.S. Steel. Yes. All, yes, still controlled everything in the valley. I went to school, got a master's in educational counseling mm -hmm. at Duquesne. And I came out 
and I couldn't find a teaching except teaching job except at the Catholic school. Okay, so after the priest shut the school down, what choice did I have? So I went to the steel mill, and my best friend, my kid's godfather, we went together. So he went to the shippers, and I went to the Bay 11 work. We processed the pipe for finishing. So I worked there seven years at U.S. Steel. So I came out and ended up going back to school and uh, talked for a while at, at uh, St. Joseph's in Port View. And what did you teach? The first year, I was third grade. And I was scared to death. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I took 32 little kids, girls and boys. So I taught English, math, science, social studies. And the nuns would rotate with me to teach religion. I went to the fourth grade class to teach math or something. And then Sister Mary Alice came to my room to teach the kids religion. So that was an experience. I taught for five years, six years. Wow. So I also want to talk a little bit about you mentioned how you used to dance at festivals. There was a girl in the, in in the in our my parish, Marilyn Bartko. Okay, and she was very good at those. She learned from the Tamboritsons group that does European folk mm -hmm. songs or dances or whatever. About 12 kids from our parish together, me and Andy, John, and Ronnie, and uh, Nicholas, and my buddies, we all used to do the crazy folk dances, you know, we kick our heels and jump around and jump over each other and all that, you know. But we would do casual, the polite dances with the girls, too, the chardash, the uh, dance where you dance a little bit and then you stop and you twist the girl and you know just uh these are folk dances right that yeah did? yeah yeah okay uh well we didn't know my dad said well you gotta do it this way do it that way because they did that when he was a boy we learned uh, songs in slovak as a child that's what you did as a kid uh, as a young teenager i guess you might say it wow now did you guys make all the costumes for the dances yourselves and yeah, our moms helped us. Your mom, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're supposed yeah. to be very colorful and beautiful. Well, all the boys boys wore white, a white like a a blouse with baggy arms and whatever, mm -hmm. and don't have a picture of that for some reason. But the girls uh, had wore the colorful skirts and would dance the chardash and that's you dance with each other, and then the girls would stop and the boy would stop and do couple weird kicks to show off for the girl okay you know and then we could back up and start dancing again okay it was fun I mean you know and we performed at International Village with South Park and this uh, church festival and that church festival or whatever we did this you know in our, our spare time I mean we had seemed to have time for all that stuff I don't know how we did it I couldn't do it today if I wanted to, but... Now, were mo was this from a special, a certain region that you guys did the... Because every region would have their own types of dances and things. Yeah, Carpathian Mountains, because there was one region that was versus Slovakia, right there, in the middle. 
that was really part of Czechoslovakia. They politicians were crazy then. They uh, they hated each other and whatever. If you spoke too much Russian, they didn't like it. If you spoke too much uh, Polish, they didn't like that or whatever. You had to speak your own Slavic language. You had to keep your own nationality. And the basis of it was your language and your songs and your culture and everything. You know. So that's what they insisted that we kids learn that. And the priest would go in the parish would go along with them, you know. Yeah, yeah, you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. Because each parish kept their, it was for that region, it was my understanding, right? Our type of parish, it's that Byzantine Catholic parish, Byzantine Catholic diocese. There's parishes, there, as I said before, maybe 30, 40 parishes. By now, they've been, you know, people are dying and they're mer merging together and whatever. But, uh, that's where it started from, Slovakia over there. I've never, never been here. I would like to go someday. Thank you, Ed, for taking the time to share the beauty of your Slovak culture and its history in the Mon Valley with our listeners. We appreciate the many contributions you and the Slovak community have made to keep your culture alive in Western Pennsylvania. If you come back again, I'll, I'll tell you more. This is Jay Shree Ranka reporting for the McKeesport Community Newsroom. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Voices of the Valley.